Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foote. On this, on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. I'm not really going to give out the phone number because it's not a day for for phone calls. Uh, we got lots of interviews scheduled, and that's probably a good thing because I'm very, I'm just angry. Uh, you know, I. I heard what Z28 said. Suppose so say he had some comments after the debacle in the desert. And so say he said something this week about got to get your swag back, not playing Saints football, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you think... Like, what took so long? Like, how about we start that in minicamp for a change? How about we start that in the preseason for a change? How about we get a sense of urgency after we play the first game and we look like we never played football before on offense or defense? The stupid kicker can't make a kick. He's in the NFL. He can't make a kick. How about we do it then? How about we do it after week two when we go to Orneville with their putrid little quarterback and I um, fumble the ball and give it to him and our stupid kicker can't make a kick? How about we do it then? How about we do it after week three and after four? We're going to wait until you're two and five and really you're two and six because you got no chance of beating the Eagles in Philly, none. You're going to wait till then and someone's going to step up and say something? How about you do it when you're walking into elevators in Las Vegas in January, you idiot? It's a little late for this. It's a little late for someone to get a little urgency around here. It's a little late for that. Now, I'm not saying it's late. It's impossible to... Have a, to uh, make the playoffs, it's a little late to avoid this awful situation they're in. It's a little late for some urgency and for some perspective. It's a little late for that, idiot. Way too late. I'm so sick of this team not ready f- to play football. And I know that's not just a Saints issue. A lot of teams all on the lead, they're not ready to play. Like, it's too late. You know what it reminds me of? When you're when you're in a game and you're down by 20 in the second quarter, and I'm like, uh, "Let's go! What are we waiting for?" And we're snapping the everybody's lollygagging back to the huddle, and we're snapping the ball with three seconds on the clock. Um, and let's save a little time. And then it gets to the end of the fourth quarter, and you cut it to three, and you run out of time, and everybody's hurrying. What you waiting for? Like, why wait to the two minutes to go in the fourth quarter to not lollygag? Let's get it done now. Let's save 20 seconds here and save 20 seconds here and save 20 seconds here. Let's not wait until there's out of time. Oh, now we're running around like a bunch of ants. It's too late now. You want to get some focus now 
at two and six. Now we need some swagger. How about we do that in minicamp? How about we do that in the preseason? How about we start the season ready to play for a change? That is ridiculous. Ridiculous. How about you not lollygag through the first half and then, oh, I fumbled, so now I'm going to play hard in the second half. It's, it's too late for that. How about we start it when the season starts? I'm so sick of this. You, you, we're in preseason mode, and I get it. Again, it's not just a Saints issue, but don't come to me at 2-6 and six and want to say something when you're part of the problem. Now, somebody had to say something eventually, I guess, yes. But, like, this, we need to have urgency from the beginning. Don't wait to the two-minute warning of the fourth quarter to have urgency. We're down by 20. Um, We're in trouble. Let's go. It's not time to lollygag. The, you know, that, that's, that should have been done after – that first season opener was awful. We – well, wait, I, I – I, what was week two? I missed, the, the Orneville game was actually week three. Well, week two was the Yucks, and they did okay, but they fumbled there too. And then the officials didn't give them a chance to win or lose the game. And then week three, you go to Orneville, and you stink it up, and you can't make a stupid kick, and you fumble and hand them the ball. And I, we're giving them credit for playing good defense in that game, but it's just that Baker Mayfield is awful. I mean, just awful. So now at two and six, and I know they're really two and five, but in my mind they're two and six because again they have no chance of winning that Philly. None. That game's that's an L. So they're you're two and six, and now we want to try to get some urgency. It's a little late for that. A little late for urgency. Then the news comes out yesterday. That Andy Dalton's starting, <clears throat> and it's not an injury situation. Well, as as anti-Andy Dalton as I have been from day one, I understand that as long as it's not it, – it, it's, a, it's a tricky situation. I – um. Right now, they're in a desperate situation. They can't afford. Let, let's say Jameis starts Sunday. It's essentially his season opener. I mean, he hadn't played in for over a month. So it's like, it's almost like he's starting all over again. Well, they can't afford that right now. Like, this is an absolute must win. Just like last week was an absolute must win. At least you got to have that that um, mentality. So you, you, you're in a situation where you really, really, really need to win. You've actually been in a pretty good rhythm on offense. So if you put Jameis in now, you, you're taking a chance of looking like a, a season opener because he hadn't played in forever. He's not in any rhythm at all with anyone. He's been hurt for over a month. So, I get that. I mean, I, 
it's such a messed up situation because you want to try to salvage and, and make something out of this wasted season. And so you need to try to win. And yet, eventually, you have to figure out if Jameis can do it. Again, in my mind, Jameis has not played one football game for the Saints that where I can say, okay, he can do it or not do it. He played, what, six or seven games last year. They were spoon-feeding him the whole time. It was a totally strange situation. And right when they were about to kind of, okay, this is going to be like real football. It's not going to be preseason games. We're not going to spoon-feed him because he hadn't played in two years. We're just going to go out and play foot like a regular mid-season, late season. And then he gets hurt, and he's done, and he don't play for the rest of the season. And then this year – he, he he played a couple preseason games and then he's done. Like he hasn't played one game for the Saints that I can that I can get anything out of long term. That I can really make a judgment. Not one. So so now he hadn't played and he and, and he and he's coming back and if you don't play him then you don't then you still don't know anything. We don't know. Now, but right now, you kind of can't worry about that. I mean, I, it's critical, it's crucial, but you you got to try to you got to try to win this game. You have to. And he, here's the problem with Andy Dalton: when you when you put him in a situation <clears throat> where you're running the football. And you can protect him with your running game. He does fine. But if you notice when he doesn't do well, it's it's at the end of halves, at the end of games, where running is not really that much of an option, or at least in the mind of the defense, it's not much of an option. That's when he's not good. You can't you can't go very far with a quarterback that has that low of a ceiling. He just does. It's almost like they could use both. It'd be great. But it, I don't know that it works that way. In other words, I don't know if you could just put Jameis in in the last three or, three or four minutes of each half because he's not really ready to play then. I mean, uh, you're not in tune with the game. You're not <clears> – <throat> I mean, it's almost like Jameis needs to be a closer at the end of each half. Or a you know an eighth a relief pitcher at the end of the half because when you put if if Dalton's in a normal early game situation early half situation and you can run the football and all that he he can handle that situation again you put him at the end of each half it, it, he can't do it he's not a two minute offense guy he he doesn't have the arm talent to do it. And so, like, he, Andy could not do what Jameis did at the end of that Falcon game. He just, he can't do it. Of course, it would help if the receivers would catch the ball when he threw it to him. But still, it, he's just, that's not him. And so, <clears throat> I get why he started, because you got to win. And there's no reason to believe that there's going to be any continuity, because Jameis hadn't played. 
What an awful situation this is. But now, after going to and say, you know what? Somebody said, you know what? Maybe we need to say something. Maybe we need a sense of urgency. <clears throat> you think? Like, let's start that in August. Let's start that in July. Let's start that in June one year. Let's not wait till you're two and six or one and three or zero oh and four to get a sense of urgency. Let's not lollygag for a half and then oh we're behind. Let's start playing hard with, with purpose in the second half. Awful, just awful. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll have to switch some things up. Normally, Guru's in the second hour, but just didn't work out that way. So, Guru will shift gears to fantasy football. Not happy about that either. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. All right. Want to remind you, if you would like to get a sneak peek of the new movie Black Panther Wakanda Forever. You could be you could win two tickets and for the guest list for a private viewing on November the 10th. <clears throat> this is what you need to do. Text Panther to 283-8100. Text Panther to 283-8100. You might win two tickets to see the new movie in Broussard at the Celebrity Theater on November the 10th. Thanks to the Celebrity Theaters, Sherman Insurance, and the game. All right, we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk to the guru. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning, Kevin. Uh, doing pretty good, man. A little <clears throat> earlier than usual, but ready to rock. Let's do it. All right, so since we, uh, you know, we're just talking about the Saints and the debacle this season has become... Um, where are you from a fantasy perspective on Andy Dalton and picking him up right now? Um, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, even though the Saints are playing without a bunch of receivers, it seems like he might be a better option than some other streaming options right now. Yeah, he's not too bad for fantasy. I mean, as we know, in, in for reality purposes, he's not too good, but for fantasy, he's He's okay. I mean, he's not someone I'd recommend in single quarterback leagues. But if you're in the multiple quarterback leagues, super flex leagues, and he's definitely in the mix. I have him starting in one of my super flex leagues, and he's he should throw a good amount when what should be a pretty high scoring game against the Raiders. And yeah, I, I think he's decent, but I wouldn't go. Well, what I'm saying is, if your starter is, like, if you have a really good quarterback and your starter's out, and you're you're playing guys as backups, you know, Daniel Jones or Ryan Tannehill, you know, some of these backup kind of fantasy quarterbacks, I mean, he's probably better than most of them, fantasy-wise, I'm talking about. Yeah, I I definitely wouldn't take him over Daniel Jones, because Jones runs, or Dalton doesn't 
anything running. Tannehill hadn't run as much this year. Tannehill, I know the matchup's good, but he's yeah, he's been pretty bad this year for fantasy. So if you can get Jones, I'd recommend Jones. But if it's between Tannehill and Dalton, it's a coin flip, and I'd probably lean Dalton because it'll probably be more passing in that game. Um. So right now quarterback obviously we know you know Mahomes and Allen are on an, on another planet right now is it like you have some really good quarterbacks who are putting up really mediocre numbers so what do you do with quarterback right now i mean you know it, we we we've been arguing for years about you know it can't be quarter can't be running backs and you know more running backs are hurt now I mean they just they just keep dropping like flies and, and yet so many other than a, a handful of elite quarterbacks a lot of them aren't doing a whole lot right yeah I was looking at that yesterday actually the points per game among quarterbacks I believe there's only five quarterbacks averaging over. 20 fantasy points a week. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and Jalen Hurts. So unless you have one of those five, it, it's kind of tough. I mean, I, I guess my recommendation would be, like, don't be too complacent. Like, if you've got a mediocre-type quarterback, then if the matchup's bad, bench him, maybe even drop him or something more favorable, like a Daniel Jones against the Seahawks or an Andy Dalton against the Raiders. It's it's not like the old days where you had like ten or twelve quarterbacks you could just set and forget. It's uh it's a lot dicier. So just keep an eye on the waiver wire. Cause even Justin Herbert, I mean I think he's a great talent, but one receiver's been out. Keenan Allen's been out forever, and now Mike Williams is going to be out a month or you know five weeks or whatever. He's going to be out, and you know they've been real spotty at times. You know, he, he's had some weeks where he didn't do a whole lot. Right, yeah, Herbert has been a, a major disappointment considering he was expected to be up with those five I had mentioned. But he could still get going. He'd be the one. Other than those five, he'd be the – him and Kyler Murray, I'd still feel confident in starting most weeks because they, they've both got a lot of talent and are in offenses that throw a lot. All right, so early on – I was saying James Robinson and you were saying Etienne and Robinson started and had some fl- real big flashes early and then he kind of fell by the wayside and Etienne's the thing and now Robinson's with the Jets. So, I mean, it's crazy the way that whole situation has worked out from day one. So, what do you think about Robinson with the Jets? Yeah, I think it'll be uh, – I don't know what to think. Because he really looked sluggish these past few weeks in Jacksonville as far as Etienne just completely – leapfrogged him as the lead dog. So I think he might be okay, but, I mean, Michael Carter's still a thing over there. So I think he'll I mean, he'll probably end up being the lead back over Michael Carter, but I was expecting him to produce, like, the way Brees Hall is producing. I think they'll, he'll be left disappointed. But he'd be, like, probably like an RB2, I guess. What, um, <clears throat> you know, then th- th- there's – there's other bad situations like the Denver situation. They lose their top back, and now it's almost like they don't know what to do with their backup backs. Like they, I don't, I don't know if it's good to have any of them right now. 
Yeah, I don't really trust Gordon or Murray right now. Maybe in you know in deeper formats, you're gonna have to just throw darts. But in most leagues, yeah, I wouldn't trust Dan. I wouldn't trust anything. Denver, even Sutton and Judy are getting tough to trust, and you definitely can't trust Russ. So yeah, it's it's ugly over there in Denver right now. Their, their offense is a mess, and I don't see it getting any better anytime soon. All right, what do you think uh, if you if you're if you've got an injured quarterback or you want to drop? Taylor Heineke looks pretty feisty. What, 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 what do you think of him? Yeah, I like him for reality purposes, but, you know, kind of the opposite of Dalton. I kind of like him. Like, I think he's feisty, but if for fantasy, that, that don't really help you. And he doesn't – he'll run here and there, but not enough to be relevant. I'd, I'd stay away from him unless he'd have a week where he's got a really plus matchup. Is DeAndre Swift, when is he going to play again? Supposedly this week he practiced in full yesterday. I'll believe it when I see it because he's, he's been really frustrating this year. Like he thought after the bye he'd be ready and he still wasn't ready, but I would think he'd be ready this week. So what other injuries are you kind of looking at right now? Yeah, they've, they've still got some. You know, the, yeah, the Mike Williams thing pretty, was pretty bad, but he's he – He'll be out about a month. Same with David and Joku. So if you have either of them, just stash them away, put them on the IR or whatever. They're going to be be gone a while. As far as this week, though, I think we'll be getting guys back. You know, like Amon Ross St. Brown should be back. He got knocked out early last week. But they said it wasn't a concussion. They're just being overly cautious because of the new concussion protocol so yeah he should be okay uh, James Connor questionable again hoping that he'll go and then Debo Debo is a big name to watch this week I'd say he's questionable with a hamstring didn't practice yesterday so keep an eye on that if he doesn't go big stock up for IU what about Waller oh yeah and Waller yeah he's I don't know about him he's another one that's been a bust this year didn't play last week dealing with a hamstring I'd I kind of feel like he's not going to go with the way these hamstrings linger. Obviously, keep an eye on it. And if he goes, play him because remember the last time they faced the Saints, he went crazy. But I'd uh, I wouldn't expect him to go. So you know, New England's been a nightmare for a while for fantasy. And just when I thought maybe, maybe you know, you could start trusting them a little more. You know, last week was just a deba- I mean, just a disaster. So like. Do you trust any of their running backs? Even any? I mean, I I kind of thought it was going to be Harris and then Stevenson, and now I, I don't know what to. I mean, I, I'm you might just want to not trust him at all again. Yeah, I feel like you still got to trust Stevenson because even though he didn't do that great as a runner, you know, he caught passes and then he got the touchdown. So he'd be the only one I trust right now. Definitely can't trust Harris until he shows that he's back. I think they kind of put him in kind of like a in a decoy role. He didn't really have his full allotment of touches, but I kind of hope it stays like that because then it'd be pretty clear. We'll start Stevenson Harris as the handcuff. We all know how Belichick is. So, honestly, if you have Stevenson, I'd recommend trying to trade him because I have a feeling once Harris gets healthier, it's going to be more of a 50-50 split. So, the, it was just one week, and it was the first week, so you don't know what it means. But if you have McCaffrey, are you over the top, over the moon excited about him being with the Cheaters, or how do you feel like that's going to work out? Uh, no, I wouldn't say I'm over the moon excited, because in Carolina, he was still a top-five running back. If anything, it's 
I don't know. I mean, with the cheaters, they don't really uh, they 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 spread the ball. So I don't know how I feel about that as far as I think he'll be still be an RB one, very relevant. Obviously, a must start each week, you know. But I think his production might be a little more sporadic. He might have a few more bigger weeks, but he might not be quite as consistent as he was with the Panthers. So right now, for the foreseeable future, how much are you trusting guys like Dak and Gallup? And even C.D. Lamb? Not at all. Ugh. I mean, C.D., yeah, you still, you got to go with C.D. And Dak, I think, honestly, though, Dak should do better. You know, he's probably a little rusty last week. So I would think he'll do better moving forward. Gallup, though, I don't trust. You know, it's starting to look like a lost season for him. Noah Brown looking like the number two over there in Dallas. The backup quarterback in Orneville, he had he's been around, he's played here and there a few times over the last two or three years. He's got some um some ability to run and he hit some nice passes. I mean, is he is he a guy, I mean, to that you can stream in a game or no? Oh no, 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 he's not in there. Like I say about Dalton and Jones and Santa, no, he's in, no, don't TJ Walker, no, no, sorry. I mean, even against Atlanta this week, I, I just can't trust him. <laughs> and if you have in Denver, if you have Russell Wilson, do you just drop him, or, or do you, or do you hold out hope that somehow it's going to get better? Man, I don't know. I'd probably just drop him, you know, unless you're in a fairly deep league because it's, I don't think anyone's going to rush to get him. And if he shows a little something, then you could always try to get him back. So, honestly, yeah. Him and, him and Aaron Rodgers, I'd say it's about time to just cut him. And if Brady don't show something this week, he might be next. It's 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 really strange. I mean, the whole league has been strange. Fantasy has been strange. Uh, it's just, I, I don't know. This is just a weird season, but you know, it, yeah, it, it's kind of kept us on our toes. I guess you could argue that we'll see what happens. All right, guru, uh, pull for my Astros. Uh, I don't know if you're going to pull for them, but pray for me because, uh, I don't know if I'm ready for this world series pressure, but it's here. Oh yeah. I guess I'll root for them. You know, the Philly, that's a team that knocked out my Cardinals, So I'll, I'll, I'll root for y'all. <laughs> All right. Hang in there. I appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Yep, take care, Ken. The guru will be back. Shift gears to horse racing. This is good for me because I can get my mind off of the stupid Saints situation and the nerves of the World Series. So we're going to talk to our old friend, Mr. Tom, next on the game. Stay tuned. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Medicine season. Medicine season. Now. A season in which a college or professional sports team suffers a disappointing season due to injuries or fluky incidents, also known as paying the piper. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Want to remind you the Karen Crow Cultural District is hosting Crow Fest, downtown Karen Crow Fall Festival, on Saturday from 6 to 8. Families are invited to enjoy a safe 
trick-or-treating along St. Peter's Street, where it will be closed through to traffic for the event. There will be games, a haunted house, a petting zoo, costume contests for the kids, and pumpkin carving contests as well. Saturday from 6 to 8, Crowfest in downtown Karen Crow. All right, we have with us our old friend, Mr. Tom. I'm sure we'll talk a little baseball, but really we're getting them on to talk horse racing. In eight days will be the Breeders' Cup. How are you, sir? I'm very good, Kevin. Thanks for having me. All right, so a lot of casual horse racing fans, you know, they know about the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness and the Belmont, and they follow those if you have any interest at all. But Am I right that for the real serious horse racing people, probably a lot of them actually prefer the Breeders' Cup? Am I am I right about that? Absolutely. You've got 14 races in two days with the best horses in America and some of the best in Europe and Japan. It's, it's a great day for, uh, for, for gamblers and betters, and it's a great day just to watch great horses run. Two races, two days in a row, yes. Right. All right. So for those of us who don't quite understand how the whole Breeders' Cup thing works, like, what, how do you determine, like, you have a really great horse, how do you determine what race you're in? Like, how, how, how do they determine, like, what's the grit, like, the levels of all these races? Yeah, you, you, you've got short sprints, which are about five and a half furlongs, and you've got long dirt races, which are about ten furlongs. And so you've got somewhere in that in that range. Uh, the Europeans run long races. We don't run them quite that long, but the longest race we'll have is the Classic on Saturday, and that'll be that'll be one of the greatest races ever run on Saturday on on the fifth. And I'll talk about that a lot next week. But that will be one of the greatest races ever run. But but before you get without getting into too many details, like why are you saying that? Why are you so excited about that race? Oh God. Uh, we could be witnessing true horse racing history on the 5th of November. A horse called Flight Line out of California. This is the fastest horse I have ever, ever seen. been watching horse racing 40 years. I've watched Secretariat run. This horse is as fast as Secretariat. Let's put it that way. I don't know if he's good. He's good. We're going to find out, but he's as fast. And, and that's what I'm looking forward to. That's the race I'm looking forward to. Everybody's looking forward to that. Well, and so how how close is the competition then if this horse is that talented? <laughs> so there's a horse called Life is Good. It used to be a, a Baffert horse, and now uh, Todd Pletcher now has a horse. Um, let's put it this way. he's Life is Good is a great, great horse. He's almost undefeated. He's lost only one time. He's... 15 links behind this horse flight line. Now, that's amazing. I mean, this is in terms of what they've done. He's 15 links behind. That's three full seconds. In horse racing, three full seconds is like a quarter of a mile for a human being. I mean, that's just the difference that this horse is. And I'll talk a lot more about him next week, but that's the race everybody's looking forward to. All right, so tell me some of the others. I mean, that doesn't necessarily make it the best betting race, though. So no, w- which no, one of these races be. do you like from a betting perspective or that, you know, really intrigue you? Oh, the the very first race of, of Friday. 
where a lot of Europeans will be coming, uh, European fillies and, man, and horses. Uh, the Friday, the very first race is the five-and-a-half furlong turf. There'll be at least six fillies in it, and possibly the rest of them will be horses. But one filly I'm looking at in that uh, Friday is a horse called Dramatized from Europe. This horse won two big races over there, running against a lot of different horses. It beat 20 horses in one race. Uh, she's really, really good. And waiting for her in the United States is a Bob Baffert horse called Speedboat Beach. Speedboat Beach, that's a name. Huh? <laughs> um, <laughs> but he's real fast. So those two I'm looking forward to, they could run really well together. And who knows? That race rarely ever is predictable, if you know what I'm talking about. Want a betting race? First race out of the box Friday afternoon at 2 o'clock at Keeneland. That's going to be a real wide-open race. Now, how how do they work the rotation for the tracks in in, in the Breeders' Cup? Well, they they used to take them uh, early on in, in, in the uh, – in the Breeders' Cup in 1984, the first one was at Hollywood Park, which is no longer in existence. But they basically now try to choose the areas. Remember, the Breeders' Cup is run at the end of October, beginning of November. So you don't want to run it in Toronto. We had one Breeders' Cup in Toronto, and it was it was cold. Let's put it that way. We had another one, in uh, several of them in New York that worked out well. And we had a disaster, two disasters. One of them was in Florida at Gulfstream, which was they had great races, but it was like 95 degrees. And then the biggest disaster of all was in Dallas in Lone Star Park in 2004. And it was like, well, it was about 105. It was hot. (laughs) It was hot, hot, hot. And horses just don't like hot weather. So now we try to get the Breeders' Cup in Southern California or in uh, in, uh, in Kentucky at, at Keeneland or at Churchill. This year it's at Keeneland. The weather yesterday at Keeneland was in the high 30s, so next week we can probably count on cool weather but not hot weather. So what the Breeders' Cup tries to do is get it in an area. It's, not, it's never going to be at the fairgrounds. Everybody's talking about bringing it to the fairgrounds. But it's probably never going to be there because they would run the risk of having that hot weather again, which they don't want. So anyway, to answer your question, Kevin, Southern California, Kentucky, and possibly New York. Those will be the three places we're likely to see any future breeder cups in America. When when they run, when it's really cold, is there an increased chance of injury with horses like, like, like it is humans or not really? It's not really because horses kind of like that. They run better when it's 40 degrees than they do when it's 80. I mean, they run more comfortably. Right. Because horses, can, they sweat a lot. And when they get nervous, they sweat. And when they get, if it's really, really hot, they just don't run. You know I mean? They just don't run. It's, it's much better when it's cool. Let's put it that way. So if you want, if you're a guy who likes to bet, I mean, if you know everything about it, then you're then you're set. But if you're a guy just casual and you want, like, yeah. how do you, with all these races, like, how do you uh-huh. even know which one to bet, which race to, I, to I, even I, chart start to you, analyze? It's it's more of an event, Kevin. If you know what I'm talking about, it's more of an event like the Super Bowl or like the World Series. It's more of an event. Now, the the casual better 
will go and look at a horse and somebody will tell him something about it. And well, they'll go and bet that particular horse. But the average payout in Breeders' Cup races is like 10 to 1. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, take your, uh, when I was in Ireland, and I'll give you my story. When I was in Ireland and I was visiting the tracks and so forth, and they had one race that had like 20-something horses in it, and I was trying to figure out what was going on, right? Okay, and this guy comes up to me and he says, he says, you know, son, he says, if you fancy a horse, bet it. And that's the way the Breeders' Cup is. If you find something you like, just bet it. Don't worry about what anybody tells you. If he runs last, fine. If he wins... You're going to win some money. That's it. I can't really say how anybody's going to pick anything except what somebody might tell them or they know ahead of time. So do you, in your mind right now, do you have a plan totally set yet where how many of the races you're going to bet on? Absolutely not. <laughs> that won't happen until 20 minutes before the first race. That's the way it'll work. <laughs> I mean, there's too many things, Kevin. This is not the Super Bowl where you have one team you like and the other team you don't. This is a race that has 10 horses in it, and they all can beat each other. Or might have 20 horses in it, they all can beat each other. And that's tough. You sort of have to look and see what's going on right now. You remember when I told you about the Derby, that you wanted to have a horse that was peaking right now uh-huh. and that was, that was running real well right now? That's what you're looking for. That's what you're looking for. All right. So speaking of playing well right now, there's a team in Philadelphia that's been playing pretty well lately. So uh, you don't seem as worried as me about this Phillies lineup, but what are you thinking uh, with the World Series starting tomorrow? Well, I'm thinking this is the strangest. uh, Rob Morrow waited. He's going to pitch Aaron Nola tomorrow. My guess is, that he does not want to put Zach Wheeler, his best pitcher, up against Verlander. He wants to get a game in Houston. You understand me, Kevin? He wants to win a game in Houston. He's thinking, and this is not good thinking on his part, he's thinking that if he pitches Zach Wheeler against Framber Valdez, he has a much better chance of winning. I'm not so sure of that. Well, I'm not so sure of that either, but I think what happened was when they played in that game at the end of the regular season, they yeah, won yeah. game one, and Nola shut the Astros down. So I'm thinking yeah. he's liking the matchup because of that game. But that was ridiculous because we were coming – we were prepping ourselves for Seattle. Right. That's what we were prepping ourselves. Yeah. We didn't even win. He had to win that game, Kevin. Yes. If he didn't win against us, he wasn't going to be in the playoffs. So that was a had-to-win game. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and, and plus, you win. can things can change. I mean, we've all seen it yeah, where yeah. a pitcher pitches on one weekend, then they go to the other city, and he gets lit, you know? so And he gets lit. Yeah, but so you, you never know. That I've watched Aaron pitch the whole series. He pitches through the lineup the first time real well. But when he gets to the lineup the second time, he's not so good. So after, you know, three innings or four innings, and he's not so good. So I'm hoping that Verlander's on. You know, we're hoping that. We're hoping that he's on, that he, that something really doesn't happen in the first couple of innings. And then he gets warmed up. 
I think we beat Nola. I think we also beat Wheeler. I think we go into Philadelphia two and oh. I think we win this thing this time. If we don't, Kevin, I'm gonna trash the National League East the rest of my life. <laughs> you know what though, I'm telling you though, this team is it's so similar to the twenty nineteen Nationals in a lot of ways. Yeah. And the other thing that's interesting in this matchup is we is this is basically like uh, after the All-Star break. Like, everyone's been off. All the hitters have been off for four days. And kind of like you do, a, in an, you know, if, unless you play in the All-Star game. And so, yeah. it's you know, I'm hoping – I kind of I think I like that because that might cool some of the Phillies hitters off a little bit. Yeah, that and the fact that, that remember, when we came off the All-Star game, we played the Yankees right away. Right. We beat them twice. And two two nice games, two really good, and that was the end of the Yankees, if you remember. That was the they started going the downhill Yankees. after that. Yes, they went downhill after that. But I'm not comparing that to Philadelphia. I'm just saying, I think I think we match up better against them than we would have matched up against, say, San Diego, or certainly against the Dodgers. We would have had much much difficult problems. But I think our Kevin, I've been watching the Houston pitching since 1962. We've never had a staff like this. Never. Well, I agree, but again, they, they I agree, but again, they're facing a team that they really don't know. They play once every three years. Uh, what they yeah. did against the Yankees means absolutely nothing in this series. Like nothing. nothing. No. We play them a lot. And they know and, and how to beat part. the Yankees. They don't know how to beat the Phillies. They don't even know the Phillies. So, I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun, and I sure hope you're right, and I'm going to be nervous. Oh, it's just going to be awful. Well, you're going to be nervous even if we win. So, what's the difference? <laughs> that, that's probably true. All right, I'll sir, I appreciate your time, and we'll look win. forward to talking again next week to really get us ready uh, for the Breeders' Cup. Thank you very much. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll have some picks and everything next week. All right. Mr. Tom. See you later, Kevin. Take care. Thanks for having me. Bye. Horse racing baseball, man. We'll be back. Finish out the first hour next on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin. Foot on the game. Want to remind you, tonight, Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens are going to meet Tampa, the Yucks, on Thursday night football Pre-game starts at 7, kickoff at 7.20, and you can hear all the action right here on the game, 103.7. Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. So, obviously, if you are thinking kind of like Nick was talking earlier this week, and like a lot of Saints fans are thinking, you know, if we can get a few wins here, and the Yucks and all these teams keep losing in this division, who knows? You might go win the division with seven or eight wins, but first you got to start winning, and second you need all these teams to lose. So here's one. Here's a prime example. Could be the start of a huge turnaround weekend for the Saints, or so we can hope. So got to pull for the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson uh, obviously is a whole different challenge there to to play defense against him. Uh, normally the Yucks are outstanding against the run but again facing the run and facing Lamar Jack it's just different he he's just it's you know it's it's very much like stopping the run and then stopping Michael Vick when he was young and running like crazy and you, you know it, it, it's just a different animal so we'll see how we um 
how that plays out. But, yeah, I mean, if you're a Saints fan, uh, no World Series tonight. Lots of do have the Cajuns playing, and we'll be talking about that a little bit later. And we do have a lots of high school football. But if not, if you're out running around, you can uh, listen to catch up here, listen to the game, and catch up on what's going on with the Yucks and the Ravens. So it'll be interesting to see if they get back on track tonight. Again, lots of high school football tonight. There are 13 games involving the Cadiana area teams, and the, and the top one in these parts is Acadiana at Karen Crow. And, again, you can hear the Acadiana version on MeTV 97.7, and the, or you can hear the Karen Crow version on Z1059. Should be a well of a game tonight. Um, Katie Anna and Karen Crow. That'll do it for the first hour. Another hour to follow. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home. For the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros, and it's a weird time, but it's kind of been an unconventional day. Cajuns play tonight in Hattiesburg against Southern Miss, and so we are we shift things up a little bit, and we'll be speaking right now with our good friend Luke Johnson. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Kevin, but I should be asking how you are doing oh. with your uh, your Astros about to play, about to play for another uh, World Series title here. I'm a nervous wreck. I re- I read a headline yesterday. I mean, tell me how clueless this is. Uh, uh, you know, the headline says the the World Series matchup is the biggest mismatch since 1906. Like, you got to be kidding me! First of all, this is baseball. And second of all, the Phillies are red hot offensively, and they're like the mirror image of the 2019 Washington Nationals that upset the Astros in seven innings. And they're trying to tell me this is the biggest mismatch in World Series history. Yeah, I mean, obviously you shouldn't be worrying about that because that's a person who's like never watched baseball before. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's there's any way you can ever say two teams who are meeting for a World Series championship like one's a mismatch over another. You know, it's like you can throw everything that's happened out of the window. I mean, the Dodgers were the best team in baseball all year. They had one of the best records in uh, history. In history. Yeah. And, and, you know, they didn't make it out of their first playoff series. So, you know, I, I mean, who, who's to say any any team ever in the in the postseason of baseball is like a mismatch or a huge underdog? You know, I, I mean, it's, it is all about who's playing well at the right time. It, it it absolutely is. All right, I I don't I am I don't even know where to start with the Saints because it's such a mess right now. He, he, here's my t- t- deal, and you tell me where you think I'm wrong or where, where maybe I'm not, um I'm 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 off a little bit on this whole Andy Dalton situation. I am not an Andy Dalton guy. I've not been an Andy Dalton guy from day one. I think Andy Dalton, if you give him a running game. He can do he can do a fine job if if you if he has to lead the team down the field at the end of halves he just he just doesn't have the arm talent to do it but right now the Saints are well everyone thinks they're two and five me and you know that they're really two and six because they have no chance of winning in Philly so they're two and six their their season's on the line they can't afford right now to be starting a quarterback 
that isn't played in over a month, and, and there's no reason to believe he has any rhythm with, with the few receivers that you have left. And so you almost have to play Dalton, but eventually you have to find out if Jameis can be your quarterback, but when are you going to be able to do that? So this is about as big a mess as you could possibly be in. Well, I think the the thing you're you're leaving out here is that they've already decided Jameis is not their quarterback. You know, and I think that's I think that's probably where things lie right here because by by starting Andy Dalton right now, I, I, they're basically signaling to to Winston um, and his camp that they're they're not going to be. Like he's not going to be in the, the franchise's long-term plans. But the right? problem is, in my mind, he has not played one real NFL football game for the Saints. And what I mean by that is, when he came, he hadn't played in two years last year, they were spoon feeding him, and they were right on the verge of like actually running a real NFL offense and, and treating him like a real NFL. And then he blows out his knee on the horse collar, and he didn't play the rest of the year. And then at the beginning of this year, we all know that the first two or three games are just preseason games, and 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 they had injured players, and it was he hasn't played a real football game yet. Yeah, yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. But I, I think they've they've seen what they needed to see, and you know I think, frankly, they probably saw what they needed to see last year too, which is why they were they were so you know hot in pursuit after um, Deshaun Watson, and um, and I think that's why Jameis had a you know, he signed a two year deal that was um, you know in all. Intents and purposes, it was a one-year deal. I, you know, almost all of the right. the guaranteed money is is all tied up into this season. Now it's going to be prorated over the course of several years because of the way they manage salary cap. But you know, all, all the money they are they're committed to giving to him, they're giving to him this year. Um, so you know, I, I think they they were like, okay, we we don't really we don't really think. It, and look, I'm I'm, I'm speculating here right but you you look at the way they handled it this offseason they didn't give them the big long contract yeah they they pursued a different quarterback yeah i don't think the options out there were any necessarily clearly better than Jameis. um they they clearly didn't like this rookie class they had a couple opportunities to make picks there and they they didn't do any of that whether it was with kenny pickett they had two chances to pick in in the first round or malik willis or desmond ritter in the second round they didn't like those guys um, so, you know, I think they, they were like, okay, let's, let's see what he can do with the full season. But like with the understanding that, um, you know, they, they, they were not entirely sold on him. And I think that's where that's, that's how we get to this point now where, you know, Andy Dalton comes in and, and you're right. He has limitations, um, significant limitations. Um, but at the same time, you know, their, their offense has been, has been moving the ball these last couple of weeks. They, so, you know, you look back at it. Since Andy came in, they're number three in the NFL in total offense, um, only behind Kansas City and Buffalo. I think they're number two or three in scoring in that time. Um, yeah, they've been they've been moving the ball pretty well. It, granted, they've they've been in you know some shootout type of games, and that's you know kind of necessitated that. But yeah, I think the the fact of the matter remains that that Andy's played pretty well, and they want to keep riding that for as long as they can, and because they know going into next next season and beyond. Yeah, neither of these guys are, are you know, the answer at quarterback for them in the long term. So you're telling me they've already made their decision because I was about to think long term, the best thing for the Saints is just to lose this week and lose next week and let Jameis play the rest of the season and just see what he can do. 
Yeah, but I, I just don't think. I think they're 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 beyond that now, though. You know, I, I think by 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 when when Jameis is healthy and and they're not plugging him into the starting lineup, yeah, this is exactly the the spot he was in in uh, 2018 with the with the Buccaneers when you know he was suspended the start of the year, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick played pretty well, and Bucks were like, well, I think we're just going to roll with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, the thing you know, is, and, I, but I, and, but, but Luke, the if Bucks they were moving on, the Bucks ended up moving on. I, I think the Saints are in, are in this position where they're they're just saying like neither of these guys are the answer. But if the Saints I, I, were six and one this week, you don't think Jameis would be starting? If they were six and one, and 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 uh, what Andy had won three games or four games, I don't know. I, I'm just, I, I just think they're in a desperate situation right now. It's like. You, you, you can't afford to put a quarterback in right now who's essentially going to be playing his season opener all over again because he hadn't played in forever. Well, yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree with that. I agree with that, but I think you could also at the exact same time say that, that because they're not putting him back in, it's going to be very, very hard for them to be like, yeah, we're, we're committed to Jameis as our guy moving forward in the future. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if, if, Jameis, if Jameis is not good enough if you don't think Jameis is good enough to to put him in in this situation where you're you're desperate to win a game, then yeah. how can you then because go, he's not go ready ahead and because Jameis is our guy moving forward. right because because he's just not anyway. All right, you may be right on that. We'll see in time, and I, and then I, obviously then it just becomes a complete disaster. But the bottom line is, no matter who's playing a quarterback, no one on defense is played well other than like two players, like. Can you even fathom how bad this defense is right now? No, I don't. I don't get it. And you know, the, the crazy thing is, I thought they were playing pretty well earlier in the year when their offense was fluttering. You know, um, I thought they played pretty well against the Bucks. I thought they played pretty well against uh, against Carolina. Um, and then you know, all of a sudden, um, yeah, they they can't tackle their run defense, which has been like what their their, their foundation of their defense has been built upon for these last couple of years is just. Um, letting guys named you know, Rashad Penny and Cordero Patterson and uh, and Eno Benjamin run all over him. That never happened. Um, they're getting next to no production out of their defensive line. Um, you know, a lot of their sacks have been coverage sacks. Um, you know, I, I think you know they're, the injuries in the secondary have kind of um, exposed some of these guys. Um, you know, it's a lot harder to play when you don't have somebody like Marshall Lattimore locking down the other teams. Number one, so uh, you know it's been it's been kind of a, a catastrophic last couple weeks for these guys, um, and I, I just don't know I don't know if they're going to be able to pull out of it, uh, which is just it's bizarre because we all thought this was this was the, the team's strength that they just needed to play functional, competent offensive football. And they'd be a contending football team. Well, right now they're playing really good offensive football, and they've lost three out of their last four. Um, so I, you know, I just I, I don't know if that's something we can count on those guys like really getting better. They, they just need they need these guys that that they have been counting on in the past: Demario Davis, Marcus Davenport. Um, you know, they need Paulson Adebo, who's you know he had a, a great training camp, and then he's just been MIA since the start of the season. I, they need all these guys to step up. Hey, Tyron Matthew step up all, all these guys who they're they're either paying a lot of money or they're counting on for uh, big production and big time positions um they, i don't think any of them have played up to their their own standard but i mean 
We all love Demario Davis, and he's been tremendous. He hasn't done anything all season. Yeah, but the only thing the only thing Demario has been successful at uh, is blitzing as a pass rusher. He's got really good numbers in that category. But Demario is, um, I think, if you watch if you watch him closely, I, I mean, he's just not he's not impacting the game the way he used to. He's he's not making plays as a as a uh, pass defender in coverage. Um, he's he's not making the plays in the run game that you, you're in, you're used to seeing out of him. So somehow yeah, in the offseason, he, he just got washed up. There. He just got washed up in the offseason, just magically. I mean, it, how do you explain no, I mean, this? I think, the signs were there. I think the signs were there last season, too. I, I think I think DeMario was, was showing slight signs of decline. I, and I don't think I don't think DeMario's a bad football player right now. I, I don't, but I, I don't think that he's the, the same impact player that he was two years ago. And I think we're, we're starting to see some of that last year. And I think they were hoping um, you know, they could plug Pete Warner in next to him. They'd still be a pretty good linebacker combo. And I think they're okay. I don't, I don't think their linebacker position has been the problem. I think it's more their, their defensive line, which has been a strength of theirs for the last four or five years. Um, it, it's not productive, and it's, it's showing up all over the field. His quarterbacks aren't getting affected as they're throwing. Um, you know, they're not getting sacked. They, they're, they're in these third and long situations, and they're converting because there's no pressure, and that, that secondary isn't good enough to hold up against that. Oh, man. So um, is anybody going to play on defense that didn't play last week, to your knowledge? Uh, I'm expecting Paulson Debo will be back. Um, I don't think Marshawn Lattimore is going to be out there. Uh, who else didn't play defensively last week? I mean, I mean that's, look, injuries haven't really been a problem on defense, right? I, I mean, lat- obviously the secondary is banged up last week, um, and you know it's not going to get a whole lot better this week. Uh, now that Roby's been put on injured reserve, but um, yeah, I mean, outside of the secondary, their defense has been pretty healthy all season, um, and you know I'm kind of anticipating it's it's going to look a a lot similar to what it did last week, where you know they've got a, they're going to put probably Alante Taylor and um, and Paulson Adibo on the outside and figure out something to do on the inside. I, I don't know. I don't really like their options there. Both Justin Evans and Chris Harris have been kind of beating like a drum these last couple of weeks. The um, is PJ Williams just a little better football player than we gave him credit for? I, I, I mean, I've always thought PJ Williams is a really good football player. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think. Um, He's not like like a star, right? But he's really, really solid, and he's solid at a lot of positions. And he would solve a lot of their problems right now if he was able to play. Uh, if if he was able to play, um, shoot, what game was it? It was, uh, I think it was the Bengals game. Where they just kept hitting him over the top because they didn't have any safeties. Yeah. He would have helped them in that game. He would have helped them big time last week. Um, when you know they were they were forced to play Justin Evans and Chris Harris in the slot, and, and those two guys just got victimized the whole game, um, and you know that played a big part in, in you know, some of these third downs they gave up and everything like that. I, it, PJ is just a, like a really really good player to have around because he's gonna you know, he's gonna be like plugging the gaps in the the leaky defense um, all over the place. Uh, so. I, I saw him walking around yesterday. He looks okay, um, but I think he's still got another week to go on IR. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back and uh, bring up another couple uncomfortable subjects with the Saints. With Luke Johnson of the Advocate and NOLA.com. We'll be back. Stay tuned. 
Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foote. Before we get back to Luke, I want to remind you, you can hear Game 1 of the World Series between the Astros and the Phillies. Astro launch begins at 6.35, or 6.30, I should say. First pitch set for 7.03. You can hear all the action on our new our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM, the talk of Acadiana. All right, they. before I forget, do you have any inkling, Luke, of when the guy, the, the first round draft pick we call Kyle Turley is going to play for the Saints? Um, I, I think it could be right around the corner, honestly. Um, yeah, I, I think he's coming out of a walking boot soon, um, and you know, we could be looking at something like maybe the the week after the Ravens game. Um, don't quote me on that, but I, I, I feel uh, I feel like early mid November is kind of the, the target for them, and he's he's on track for that. So, is it even possible that the Saints would be involved in a trade before the deadline? In your mind, um, I'm having a hard time seeing that as a possibility because uh, I, I I don't think they're like it, it would make absolutely no sense for them to quote unquote tank right to try to shed some of the uh the salary they have um and uh and you know get these players you know moved off to other teams and just accept that this is this season's a loss um because it's not like they have a first round pick next year um you know and and a lot of these guys they have money tied into you know they're, they're, that money is is like fully tied into future years. They wouldn't even be saving that much by, by cutting bait. Um, and it's also hard for me to envision a scenario where they're adding to a two and five roster. Um, I, I know there's the, the division is right there for the taking. Um, but I, I think it would make more sense to me um, for them to get the players back that they've been missing and add that way rather than try to you know, send more future assets for, for a new player uh, to work them in and, and have them work in with the guys who are getting back healthy and all that. But, okay, so what about Mike Thomas, though? Plastic man, like, is it not like – or if they're done with Jameis, who hasn't even played a real NFL game, how could they not be done with him? Like, wh- 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 how do you see the future here? Well, you know – I think I think Mike has, you know, if they were to um, to cut loose on him uh, next year, right? Um, that would be a twenty-five million dollar cap hit, dead money. Um, yeah, I think that's the big number that we got to be looking at here. They could cut loose on, on Jameis Winston um, and uh, yeah, not really pay that huge of a financial penalty. Um, right. I don't yeah. think I don't think they can do the same with Mike Thomas. And at the same time, like, what's his trade value right now? I, I mean, you're you're going to be unless somebody's willing to take on all of the salary, which I don't even think they can. 
uh, just because of the way the Saints have structured everything. Um, you know, what are they going to get back for him? For a guy who's played three games in the last... Is he going to play again this season, do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think he'll play again. I mean, we saw him out at practice yesterday. Okay, so so for, for you listeners who are unaware of how this works, when the Saints practice, they do like a little walkthrough section at the beginning, and then they let us in. And when they let us in, the team starts stretching and then does its individual work. That's, that's kind of how they structure it. And then after we leave, us being the media, um, then they, they do their full team stuff. So when we walked into practice yesterday, Mike Thomas was, was in there in uniform in his helmet, suggesting to everybody that he had gone through the walkthrough portion of the practice. And then as soon as they started stretching, he left. So he's not... Technically, he's not a participant in practice because he didn't go through the individual and team portions of it. But he was out there working, and I, I think that suggests to me that he's going to going to be returning, and he's he's probably getting pretty close to it. Um, you know, maybe maybe today we'll see him out there actually as a limited participant. You know, I, I think it could. Yeah, you know, there's still a chance in my mind that he plays this week. Um, I, I don't think it's a situation where he's done for the year. The one that's a little bit Stranger to me is the Jarvis Landry one where two weeks ago, Dennis Allen said he was, he was confident that Jarvis was on the right side of questionable. We haven't seen a sign of him since. Um, you know, I, I just, that one's a little bit harder for me to figure out. Rasheen um, Shaheen, like he's play, he's had two big plays and then he hasn't touched the ball any other time. I mean, do you think that, you know, he's just kind of a hit-and-run guy for the rest of the year, or could they actually start using him a little more? Um, I mean, I, I think it's it's going to be – like, I think they should use him more. I think they should just figure it out, right? It's like, obviously, he's a dynamic player. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a way in which you could, you could really reasonably explain to me that um, – that guy doesn't deserve to touch the ball two, three, four times a game, um, especially with you know, the things being the way they are and, and your offensive weapons being limited. Um, but uh, then again, I just I just kind of feel like I, I know how NFL teams do this and they make things more complicated than it needs to be. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if he keeps getting 10 offensive snaps a game and they only scheme up like one or two touches for him. Do you think – what you know, supposedly Demario Davis said, and what Alvin Kamara has said, will will mean anything? Um, that's a good question. Uh, you'd like to hope it would. I just, um, I just, you know, yeah, I, I don't know if if playing with swagger is going to change the fact that you're leading the NFL in turnovers. Right, I think that's that's the thing that needs to change. Like they need to you know, pull their head out of you know where and uh, and you know stop being so careless with the football. And it's not just the quarterbacks. You know, it wasn't just Jameis when he was in there. And it's not just Andy now. The three the three interceptions last week were not just Andy. Um, you know, I think you could maybe pin two of them on him. You know, one was a really bad decision. One was a just an egregious drop. And another one, um, you know, he's hit while he's thrown, and I, I don't think it was a great decision. I don't think he even saw Isaiah Simmons, but um, you know, there was there's another contribution to it, 
and you think about the you know two plays before when Marquez Callaway's you're dropping a, another perfectly thrown ball down the sideline, um, you're bobbling it and falling out of bounds. So I, I mean, I, everybody's had a hand in this, right? And the turnovers, especially you know Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, you know, two very capable, dependable ball carriers, both fumbled twice. Yeah, I mean, you can have all the swagger you want. And if you're doing that, you're not going to win. The Saints have twice as many turnovers this year as they did in the entire 2019 season, right? They have about as many turnovers this year as they, ha- they had, like, in every single one of those seasons throughout the uh, you know, the 2017 to 2021 run. They turned the ball over 14, 16, 18 times a year. The Saints have 16 turnovers this year. There's There's no amount of of good vibes and, and, you know, having you know, all this, this swagger or whatever you want to call it, that's going to make you able to overcome that. Like you got to stop the, the terrible game changing plays before you have to get in the right mindset, in my opinion. All right, so we'll just see what happens. Obviously, for some reason, it starts tonight with with the Yucks and the and, and the Ravens. But I mean, if you don't, if you can't win any games, it's not going to matter. You know, it's not going to matter anyway. So we'll see what happens next. Hopefully, it's a little more <laughs> pleasant next week. We will see. I appreciate your time, sir. Uh, think about me all weekend because this World Series stuff is going to drive me bonkers. <laughs> Sounds good, man. I will keep you in my mind, my thoughts and prayers. All right, thank you. All right, Kevin. Take care. Luke Johnson. Oh, man. I, you know, I get what he's saying. I mean, it's possible that it's correct. But, you know, in my mind, Jameis hasn't played a game yet. And, and they've got to. They've got to at least let him play. Now, the problem is if they start winning, then what do you do? But if they keep playing where they never stop anyone, then you got to play him down the stretch in my mind just to see what he can do because he hasn't played in a real game yet. What a mess. What a complete mess. We'll take a timeout, shift gears, talk about tonight's game, Cajun Southern Miss with our friend Gerald Broussard next on the game. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For Sports Talk Love, that is... I'm ready for love. Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you to join the game clubhouse. 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com where you could win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse, $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, and $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. All kind of get you eligible for all the kind of other prizes as well. Can't win if you don't join. It's free. It's simple. So sign up today by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right. We have with us Mr. Gerald Broussard. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. And yourself? 
Oh, you know, oh. it's uh, day one, nerves everywhere, and the frustration on the Saints front, just total frustration and total nerves on the uh, Astros front. So it'll be quite an interesting trip to Hattiesburg today and tomorrow. I'm just glad I'm not with you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. I'll leave, I'll, leave that to, I'll leave that to others. All right. So, you know, this seems very similar to the Marshall matchup, except for I don't think Southern Miss runs the ball quite as well as Marshall did. Uh, And um, it's really about, man, you got to make your field goals and take advantage of any scoring opportunities you're going to get because you don't know how many you're going to get. I agree. And look, I bragged about Marshall's defense. To be honest, Southern Miss's defense may be a little bit better against the run than Marshall's. Uh, they do a really good job, and they have been playing well the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, gave up an explosive at the, towards the end of the game against uh, Southwest Tech, uh, Texas State. I'm sorry. Um, and I just bring up Southwest Texas because it was a throwback game. They, they were referring to Southwest Texas a lot during the broadcast. I got you. But uh, anyway, the uh, – Tech State couldn't do anything offensively, and then they, they, they made one play late in the fourth quarter. It looked like they were going to win, and then Southern Miss, who couldn't do anything offensively, made one play at the end of the game and then won the game. And, and so it was a it was a chore for both offenses. But but uh, yeah, Southern does a really good job of getting after you and stopping the run. They they, they challenge their secondary to play some some one on one coverage on the outside because they are going to get the safeties involved in a run game, and they've got some really good safeties there. And, and um, you know, it, it, it's going to be a chore, and you're right. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of scoring opportunities unless the other team. Now, one thing Southern Miss has done, they've got a true freshman quarterback. Uh, they haven't challenged him a whole lot, but, but you know, he, there, there will be some opportunities to step in front of a few of his balls. Uh, and if you can maximize that and maybe shorten the field, then, then you know, the field goals will be a premium and you just got to make them. So tell me about the kind of player this freshman quarterback is. Um, he's a guy. I, I, I mean, I mean, he's a he's, runner. I mean, he runs better no, than no. he throws or. No, they, they want to run. They're going to put Frank Gore at the running back and go Wildcat. And then uh, they, they've done it with two different running backs go Wildcat. Uh, he, he, he's, he, he, I don't know. I mean, the last true freshman I saw playing against Southern Miss and starting against us for Southern Miss was Brett Favre, and he ain't Brett Favre. Um, you know, but he, he's, I think right now with what they're trying to do offensively, I think they're kind of limited. I do like his receiving core, but I think they want him to be a, a passer. And I say a guy, I mean, uh, right now it's hard to say what he's going to be, but, you know, he, he, he he will he'll take it down and run with it. He's kind of a bend type of guy that's going to go and throw it, and they want to move the football with him throwing the football. They signed him and because he can throw the football, not because he's a dual threat guy. All right. So what I'm hearing with their defense is throwing quick passes like to the tight ends and rec- you know I hate is that dis- I hate that pass on the line of scrimmage or the wide receiver. But is that something that might work against this aggressive defense, or what do you, or how do you see the the strategy there? It hasn't, and and others have tried it, and it hasn't. I'm just telling you, their secondary does a good job coming from from uh, from depth and making plays at or behind the line of scrimmage. They have a lot of tackles for loss 
on plays that initiate behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, the, the bubbles and the hitches and the players to the back out of the backfield, they run too well for that. And, and I see that people try that against the cage. I'm saying, why are you doing that? I mean, hadn't you watched film? Nobody else has been able to do it. You know, and, and I think that you, you, you got to get the ball beyond the line of scrimmage to gain yards against them. It's just because they run too well in the secondary. The, the receivers trying to block on their secondary. The, and look, our receivers all of a sudden you know, might turn into Conrad Dobrik. And for those of you who don't know, he was a good blocker back in the day. Yeah. Uh, but but he uh, but I I don't see that happening all of a sudden. And the other receivers who have tried to 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 block, even when people put tight ends out there to try and block their secondary, their secondary has done a good job coming from depth and going make tackles behind the line of scrimmage. Their inside linebackers run well. They diagnose things well, and and they've got gas and they can go. And we'll do that. I think you know. If you try and do things behind the line of scrimmage, chances are you're going to have tackles for losses. You got to be able to attack them, be aggressive, and go at them, and um, and, and take advantage of their aggressiveness. And I don't think uh, what I say draws up simple, but it ain't easy. Right. So in other words, it's if you can avoid pressure and get the ball off, the best chance of doing damage is more da- is down the field if you can get the ball off. And look, I mean, they're not. They've got good players. They they've got nine transfers, nine or ten. I heard nine on a broadcast, and we brought up ten in another little spot we did. But either nine or ten transfers from from Miss Ole Miss and Mississippi State, and and so and and that are doing good. But but you know, if 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 they were first round type guys, they'd still be at Ole Miss or Mississippi State. So you know. They are blockable. It's not like they're not unblockable. They are blockable, but they 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 add some depth to their front, and, and they get after you. And look, that's you know Texas State finally was able to crease them and split one right down the middle, and the guy just ran away from everybody. And 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 the Cajuns, and last week the the ability to move the football with the explosives were were really good. And and. You know, some of them were down the field. Others were catch and run type stuff. And but the Cajuns were able to get the ball down the field a little bit. And you're going to have that opportunity. You don't have to hold it a long time to get the ball down the field, but you got to get Ben a chance to set his feet. And he's going Ben is going to have to see beyond the rush it, it, because uh, they're going to be there. I mean, they just are. You know, and, and so. But there are things you can do. You know, we got. Uh, Guys like Neil Johnson and Johnny Lupkin, who are big guys that work the middle of the field. We've got some inside receivers, you know, the Peter LeBlancs and the Jeffersons and and and, and the John Stevens, who've got some size on, can work the middle of the field. Even a guy like Jake Bernard works the middle of the field because the aggressiveness of the safeties, and not that they don't, they can't cover, they can't, they just don't. They they are playing downhill, going blow you up. But but you can you can work on that and get you know take advantage of that. Like you said, if you can get the ball, I think it's going to be, and it's not going to be easy. I say this as if it's simple, it's, but that don't just because it's simple don't make it easy. Uh, and, and so, but they're they're there, and you got to keep pressing the run as hard as it is to run. You still got to keep pressing the run, and 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 make sure that they know you will hand it off. Um, and if you do, and 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 they don't think you will, then then you got a chance to crease it too. All right, so it sounds like this has all the makings of it's going to be won by either a defensive score or a special team score or a defensive 
almost score and set you up in pretty situation or special teams like that. I mean, that that it sounds like that kind of matchup to me. Yes, I mean, you look at it. They 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 being Southern Miss was down by two by twelve points late in the game against Arkansas State. They come back and win the game. They're ahead by six, and then they give up a touchdown to go down by one at the end of the game. I'm talking about the inside of two minutes. And they hadn't been able to move the ball the whole time, and then they come back and score and win the game. Uh, it's it's going to be something that, you know, if you can get it now, they did those things without defensive scores. But I think that if, if you can do that and, and just stay in, it's going to be – I just don't see either team having the explosiveness enough to separate. But, but you know, Kev, I didn't think that last week against Arkansas State. Um, and I, I – I, I, I thought Arkansas State was going to have their starting quarterback too. Yeah. I, I didn't know they were going to yeah. be, be playing with a backup, but and that, that I think that did make a difference. But I do think that this Cajun defense is playing very well. You're going to have opportunities. Our, uh, uh, Southern Miss has been. A, I mean, their backup quarterback was a twenty number. I mean, number twenty four, and he's a walk on. And so, uh, and they he, they put him in against Arkansas State. He was able to move the football and move the team with it, but. Uh, and they'll, they'll go wildcat to try and move the football and, and, and get the team going and you give it a little spark and stuff like that. So, uh, but but you're going to have opportunities in there, um, you know, for your defense to be able to do some things. And 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 when you do get the opportunity, and look, Kenny's kicking with confidence right now. I anticipate that happening again to, tonight. And uh, yeah, I just don't think either team is good enough to separate offensively. And it's not. And that, that's not to take away from either team's offense. That's to say both defenses, are, are, I think, are really good. All right. So for a lot of younger fans, and or they've just been fans in the last decade or so of Cajun football, they may not remember, you know, the 80s and into the 90s with, with, the, with, with the Southern Miss UL series. And you played and coached in several of those games. And, you know, other than the one game in 1989, when they went, when the Cajuns went to Hattiesburg, it was like Saints Vikings. Like they just, you getting thumped like thirty to nothing. I mean, it's just ugly stuff. And so, what what are your memories of of the rivalry, and how good can this be if these two teams stay in the same league? It seems like it could be that missing football rivalry. It really could. I, I was sitting here at, a, at the company I work for, our corporate offices in Columbia, Mississippi, 30 miles west of, of Hattiesburg, right down Highway, I think it's 98. I'm not positive what highway I'm on. But uh, I was talking to a guy this morning who was talking about being in school with, with Reggie Collier, and I said, I, I played against Reggie Collier and, and Sammy Winder and Richard Bird and Gerald Bayless, and we started talking about all all old names from the Southern Miss USL rivalry and stuff. Right. And, and, and it was just fun to talk about back then and to bring up somebody my age who remembered that. But, you know, you mentioned about being in the conference. We've never been in a conference with them. I mean, they, they, they've they never been a conference rival. We just have never right. been in the same conference. They were in uh, – Well, they were independent the, for so long. Yeah, we were both independent, and they were independent because they were in the Metro, in the basketball league. Right. And uh, and then they ended up Conference USA, and that didn't work out for the Cajuns to go Conference USA. So we never had a conference affiliation when we always thought that would be such a good fit. I mean, I had several friends that coached there, and uh, we used to meet at, at, the, at the Burger King in Hammond back in the old film swap days. And uh, a guy named Randy Butler and I, and, and we'd sat there and, you know, Get a double cheese waffle with no onions and and, and 
crush a whopper and talk about the game tonight before and then, uh, you know, just kind of hang out and visit a little bit and say, hey, I'll see you in a few days. And then we go back our separate ways. Back then, you would actually take canisters of film, uh, not video, but film, and you would hand it off to the to the opponents so you could, you know, and then the, at, you'd get to the stadium and you'd trade your film back to each other. And so, uh, but no, just, just kind of being around them and playing against them and, and, and then when you lost the rival, I'd keep up a little bit, but you know, it was just it was disappointing that it was somebody that you felt such a similarity to and just never got to compete with. Because back when I was playing Kev, it started out as, as, as Magnese and then Louisiana Tech, and then we ended up losing both of them. And then Tech, we were in a conference with when we ended up in the Big West, and then we lost that. And, and so, you know, people had talked to me before, but don't you hate the uh, uh, Northeast? And said. No, I mean I didn't, I didn't know. It was it was Southern Miss, Louisiana Tech, and Magnese. I, I didn't have it. Never hated Northeast or ULM as it is now. But yeah. no, it, it, it it's going to be really fun. And as people get to know, it's a good trip. It's a good venue to watch the game. The people are good there. They they're going to treat you well. And it's it's a, it's one that you can do a turnaround in. Now, if you're going like uh, Jay and the rest of the crew is going to head up today and then turn around and come back. I, I don't know if you're doing the same, but for myself, I, I'm going to spend a night here at corporate and see some people in the morning and come on home. But if need be, you can you can do it in one day. I've done it in one day several times, you know. And um, you know, it's just I I just like it. I'm excited. I think that there's a it, it, we played against them in all the other sports. And not to be able to do it in football has been disappointing. And look, it's not an easy place to win. But things are different now. I think the Cajuns are, I think we're at a different level than we were back then. Um, and, and, and I'm anxious to see it grow. Look, in the last 45 meetings between these two, the Cajuns have won like four games. So it, it, it has, it's been a one-sided series, but I think it has a chance to be better tonight. We will see. Should be a fun one. I appreciate your time, and uh, we'll see you in Hattiesburg, hopefully. Yeah, and all your niceness about it and all your you know, talk about how bad the case, that's me now. So when I see you, if I step on your foot or kick you in a crotch, then you know why. Okay. <laughs> be safe, pal. See you after a while. All right. Take care. Oh, I just – I mean, it's like like in that era, same era, Saint, the Vikings used to play the Saints. They didn't just lose. They got killed. Same thing with the Cajuns of Southern Miss in Hattiesburg. Now, when they played in Lafayette, Cajuns beat them three times, had a couple close calls, you know, the 14-13 loss in 90 to on the, to, four, to Michael Jackson, and they lost, I think it was 35-32 in like 95. So they've had some close games and won some games in Lafayette. But in Hattiesburg, man, other than that one memorable, you know, Mike LeMoyne game, which was uh, fabulous. So we'll see what happens tonight. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. Welcome back to the game. Want to remind you, Lopez Trail Run for Life is this Sunday, the 10K, the 5K, or the one-mile superhero fun run taking place at Cherokee Ridge Horse Farm, located 200 Flying W Road in Karen Crow, participating, helps support Lopa, and is a chance to honor Lopa's life-saving heroes as we celebrate the gift of life. For more information, visit LOPA.org. All right, yeah, look, I, I, I think the Southern Miss... I'm a big rivalry guy. I'm a big sports hatred guy. And again, sports hatred is not beating up a guy in the parking lot. It's 
to me, real good sports hatred is I'm going to the game this week, and it really means a lot because I'm playing blank. The Cages don't really have that. I, I think there was a, a small window there of um, that where there was some serious hatred with Coastal Carolina because of the whole – you know, pandemic and not playing the conference championship game and all. I th- I still believe the Sun Belt dropped the ball on that, and and, and they haven't. You know, they they don't ever play, and so that's gone. Um, but Southern Miss is a is you know it, look in baseball it's already a rivalry, like a really good kind of heated rivalry. Uh, and I don't think it's going to take long in football, especially. Uh, if Southern Miss continues to play well and the Cajuns can continue to to play well, I mean, like you know, like Gerald said, it's between what three, three and a half hours away. It's it's kind of like going to Monroe distance wise and going to Houston. I mean, it's it's all very uh, regional. You know, I think they're going to have great rivalries with Troy and South Alabama, and it's just that you got a chance with South Alabama, kinda. But really, I think even more with Southern Miss and making this. Of course, Cajuns have to start winning some games. And here's an opportunity tonight. If it's a game where some people hate good defense, I don't know why they hate it. I, I, I don't need a lot of points scored. In fact, if you score too many points, I think that's awful football. Awful. And so I'm not a big fan of high scoring 42 games, 42, 40 games. I like games in the 20s. I, you know, I've said before the perfect score of a game to me in football is 24-23. It's just enough offense to not be like totally what you would most some of you would consider boring, and and, and yet there's some defense being played. And so I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, but it's a game you don't want to miss field goals. You don't want to give up punt returns, long kickoff returns. You don't want to give up long punt returns. And both of these teams have been very good in the punt return game. So that's something to keep an eye on in this matchup at all. Should be um, really a, a close, competitive game and hopefully the beginning of something really cool and special in terms of a football rivalry for the Cajuns, which they haven't had one in forever. All right. Tomorrow, we'll be talking more about the World Series from Hattiesburg, as uh, Raymond and I do the shows, and obviously talking back, looking back at tonight's game between the Cajuns and the Golden Eagles as well. Y'all have a nice day.